Uh, as we get ready to dismiss our kids, our children are going to meet their teachers out in the foyer. We have a video that we want you to watch. And so as the children are being dismissed, if you want to turn your attention to the screen.
Amen. We are in the middle or beginning of our mission celebration. The time every year that we set aside to kind of remind us what it is that we're doing. Uh, And you might think, you know, this is what we do all the time, but you'd be surprised how easy it is to get into the habit of living and the habit of going to church and the habit of this routine that we call Christianity and forget that the reason that we're here is to win the lost. I mean, that is what it's all about, but for the American church, if you step back and you really look at her, that's not what it's all about. It's about form and program and, and structure and design and good music, and it's really not become about winning the loss much anymore. It's really become about my preference and finding a place where I'm comfortable and happy and blessed. Amen? And so a time like this is so important because it reminds us. And that's why we go to such great lengths to put it in front of us, at least for four weeks or a month or so, so that we're reminded. You know, we use posters and we use uh, flags and we use videos and we, we use cards and we put things in your bulletin. This morning, there's a, there, last week there was a card that this month or these next two months, let's pray for the, the, the Eurasia. Let's pray for our missionaries on the back that are there. There's a, a flyer in your program this morning that shows you how you can get prayer requests and and things on your cell phone or your computer and and we've got these services lined up and next Sunday we're going to have Lee and Colleen Jenkins here who have given their lives uh, to reach Muslim people. Uh, They spent many years in Pakistan serving uh, in a country that was closed to the gospel and now are serving in Tampa, Florida uh, in Chi Alpha in a college ministry still reaching Muslims because they were booted out of uh, Pakistan so they had to find somewhere else where they could win Muslims and God opened the door and put them in that spot and they're going to be here next Sunday morning In the Sunday school time, they're going to be sharing that and challenging us in that. And we do all of this to report on what you've been a part of over this past year. Because, you know, we take up a missions offering and sometimes we forget that, you know, it's not just money in a basket. It's faces. It's faces. It's people that you're reaching. It's the missionaries that we're supporting that come to us throughout the year. And we do all of this to report and to challenge and to stretch our faith and remind us. And so these are some important services And so we want you to be a part of them. We want you to be a part of of what we're doing uh, during these next couple weeks. On Wednesday night, we have what we call Taste of Nations, where we're going to give you an opportunity to sample some food from different parts of the world and uh, highlight some of the missionaries that we serve there. Uh, Jeff and Ann Cooper, Pastor Jeff and Ann, who were children's pastors in one of the largest churches here in South Dakota. They were so content. They were so, you know, life was good. They had a good salary. They had a good house. They, you know, good family. Uh, everything was good. But the Lord began to stir their hearts to, to go pastor a church in Lower Brule. I don't know if you've ever driven through Lower Brule. Um, yeah, you have a lot. There's not a whole lot there. Why on earth would someone leave a cushy job uh, working with children? I don't know if working with children is a cushy job. It sounds like a job where you pull all your hair out, but he's got more hair than I do. But you know, what compels somebody to just walk away from all of that and go pastor uh, on a Native American reservation that is hopeless and dark and, well, that's it. And so as they share their story with you, and we partner with them, we've had the privilege to support them every month. Uh, You know, it was a great privilege for us when they started in this process of itineration trying to raise a budget 
For me to be able to say to them, you know what? Our missions committee, our church is behind you and we're gonna give you $50 a month. Before they even sent out a letter, before they even picked up the phone, they just had presented it to the presbytery and said, you know what? Uh, this is what God's putting on our heart and we said, you know, we feel that that's God, let's do it. And uh, before anything ever happened, it was such a privilege to say, you know what, we're behind you and we're gonna stand with you because the people in Lower Brule need to hear this message. And that's what, what this is about. That's what we're doing. That's why we take these offerings. That's why we put up these, these posters. Uh, it's not just about overseas. It's right here in our own backyard. And it's not just in Lower Brule. It's in Huron. And so as we start our missions convention, that's kind of where we're going to start with. And uh, let me just say again, our missions banquet is coming up next Sunday night. And so if you haven't got your ticket, uh, Reg was selling them before service. And so we can sell these to you again after service next Sunday night. Our missions banquet, we're going to call the theme of our banquet this year, Impact Huron. And we're going to give you an opportunity to impact Huron in the future, uh, this summer. And we're also going to hear from the Plus One Guidance Center. They're going to give a report about what God is doing uh, in that ministry, how it started, and uh, give you a chance to impact Huron right away uh, in an offering for them. And so that's going to be next Sunday night. And then we're going to conclude with our Faith Promise Sunday at the end of the month. We're gonna talk about, uh, we're, we're gonna report on what God has done this past year, and then we're gonna look ahead to what God is doing and what wants to do in this coming year. And I'm gonna challenge you in the area of Faith Promises. Next week in your program, there's gonna be some information about Faith Promises. Take it, read it, pray over it, and then when you come back on the 26th, the last Sunday of this month, uh, we wanna do something uh, that God leads us to do. You know, it's one thing for us to just put a number on a, a piece of paper, but I want to see what God wants to do. Everybody wants to walk on water, but nobody wants to get out of the boat. Lord, I want you to provide a missions faith promise above and beyond what I could possibly do. $10 a month, Lord. You, you catching that? You want to walk on water, Get out of the boat. But if you're going to get out of the boat, make sure he's calling you. Okay? Because you ain't going to walk on water if he doesn't say come. So the faith promise isn't just throw a number down and see what happens. It's seek the Lord and say, Lord, call me out of this boat. Tell me what I need to do. And he'll do that. The, fun, the funny thing about the Lord is if you put him on the spot, he'll, he'll show up. So we, we've come out of a series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, how interesting that the theme this year for our missions is empowered so all can hear. Because the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are not about uh, doctrine. They're not about uh, having a theologically sound argument and being able to convince people that this is for today. It's all about the power to be witnesses. It's not the power to witness. It's the power to be witnesses. There's a difference, right? It's not the power to hand out a track. It's the power to live our lives in such a way that we are the salt and light on this world. And that's what we're going to look at today. But I want to look first at Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, this is what Jesus says. We looked at this verse a couple weeks ago. We're going to look at it again. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and time, and they are not for you to know. See, the disciples were having a theological discussion about end times. 
Lord, when are you coming back? Are you pre-trib? Are you mid-trib? Are you post-trib? God, what's it going to look like when you come? Who's the Antichrist going to be? Those are great discussions for us to have today. If you want to watch that, watch John Hagee. He'll take you all through it. And there's nothing wrong with it. But Jesus says in the middle of all of that, it's really not that important. It's not important for you to know this, the, the times and the dates. It's not important for you to know all the details. Don't get so hung up on the details that you miss the big picture. And the big picture is you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses telling people everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So guys, it's not, it's not that important what the details of the end times are going to look like. What's important to know is that the end times are quickly approaching and we're called to be witnesses in Huron, South Dakota, the United States, and to the ends of the earth. Because there are people that need to hear this message. If it was important enough for him to leave heaven and come to earth to die about, it's important for us to catch a hold of it and live it out in our daily lives. So today, we're going to talk about the Word becoming flesh. The Word becoming flesh. Now I've taken this from John chapter 1 in verse 14 where it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word being Jesus came, made his dwelling, he lived among us. And there's actually a movement in our day called the incarnational movement or the incarnational Christianity where we are to be the flesh and blood of Jesus here on this earth. Now I've studied this a little bit in preparation for this message, and there are people on both sides of this thing, man. There are people that say, oh, you can't do that. You're, you're taking the incarnation, which is God coming and being on earth, and you're, you're dumbing it down, or you're making it of no value, and that's, in, in essence, not what we're trying to do. At least, that's not what I'm trying to do when I say the word becoming flesh. What I'm saying is we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus clearly said in John chapter 14, verse 12, I tell you this, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done, and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. In other words, Jesus said, you're going to do what I've been doing. So just as the word became flesh, you and I are to be the flesh of Jesus on the earth, day after day after day, where you work, where you go to school, where you live. We are the flesh and blood of Jesus. We are to be the word becoming flesh for others. That's the point of the gospel right there. Take it in, give it out. And what we do is we try to take it in, but we don't want to give it out, and we wonder why that doesn't work so well for us. But Jesus says, if you give, you'll receive. If you give, no, that's not just about money. You want to receive the kingdom for what purpose? Just so the kingdom can be in you, so you can get goosebumps, so you can have a good service, so you can go home and say, man, wasn't God good today? Ooh, wasn't that worship time good today? And the whole time our neighbors are hearing nothing about the gospel. God's intent was never to pour out on us so that we could be little vessels that come together and just collect the spiritual rain that comes down from heaven. Out of us should flow rivers of living water. And anything he pours into us ought to get poured back out. And here's the thing. If you start pouring it out, he pours more in. As it is, he pours it in. We don't pour it out. We don't feel like we have enough and we don't get any more. And what we even get gets stagnant and stale and all we do is bicker and fight. That's what's in the word. Give, let it flow out of you. And that's what the word becoming flesh is all about. I mean, if the cross and resurrection really are important, they ought to make a difference in our life. 
I mean, Pastor John did a great job last week of, of showing us that the, the cross, the resurrection, ought to make a real difference in our lives. Amen? I mean, he is risen. And today you could say he is risen indeed still. I put on Facebook this morning, I've become a CE Christian. Christmas and Easter. I'm going to live them out every day. I mean, they ought to be in our lives every day. The fact that Jesus came and the fact that he rose again ought to be the mantra of the church every day of our lives. Every morning when you wake up, you ought to remind yourself he's risen. Because it makes a difference. Every problem I face, he's risen. You know, when you face something you don't know what to do with, just start saying he's risen. And remind yourself that that's why he's risen. Amen. It's easy to sit and talk about all this in theory, but it's really hard to live out. But let's go to Matthew chapter 5. And if you have a Bible, you could use it. But I'm going to read from the message version today. I rarely preach from the message version, but I just like the way the message says this. And it's a very familiar passage of scripture to you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus is in what we call the Sermon on the Mount discourse. He's preaching a sermon, and uh, this is a part of it. He says, let me tell you why you're here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And so, Father, we ask today that you'd open our eyes to know and understand why we're here. Take the things that maybe we think we know and correct the things that are wrong and show us again. God, for those of us maybe whose hearts have become complacent and cold, reignite a passion in our hearts. Help us to fan into flame the gift that you've placed in our lives and live out this call to be salt and light in this city, in our state, in our country, and even to the ends of the earth. I pray it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus says we're to be salt and light. Now, the interesting thing about salt is salt doesn't just pick up and move by itself. Someone else has to move the salt. We're the salt. In other words, Jesus is saying you're the salt of the earth and wherever you go you're going to do what salt does and we're going to talk about what salt does today but it doesn't say you're going to decide to do it or, or you're going to you're going to have to do something on your you're just going to be salt and as you're salt you're going to make a difference because that's what salt does you can't put salt somewhere and have it not do what salt does if you put salt today on an icy sidewalk, well, maybe not today, but if in our day, if you put salt on an icy sidewalk, it, you don't have to stand there and say, come on, salt, come on, come on. It just does what salt does. If you taste your food today at lunch and you're like, a mm, little bland, and you grab for the salt shaker and you put a little bit of salt on there, 
that'll give you some flavor. You'll be like, hmm, you don't have to, as you're shaking it, say, please, please let this work. Please, please let this work. No, it works because it's salt. That's what salt does. If you have hard water in your home and your skin is all itchy and uh, and you put a salt water softener in your house, that's, you don't have to go down there every day and put hands on it and say, please do what, you, it just does it. And if you notice that something is wrong, then you ch- have someone check your, your, your machine to make sure it's operating because salt does what salt does. It's the same with light. Again, the light doesn't decide where to go. I mean, unless it's beauty and the beast, the light doesn't have legs and just walk around. But wherever we put a light, light does what it does. It shines. I mean, you don't turn the switch and the light say, nope, not shining today. Well, it might if the bulb is out. But you put a new bulb in and the bulb just shines because that's what it's supposed to do. So salt and light, these are two different things. I don't think they're the same thing. I think they're two different things. And that's what Jesus is telling us in this passage. And in essence, God chooses where we go. We don't necessarily choose where we go. I'm salt, I'm a light, but he chooses where to put me. That may mean he does it supernaturally. The same way that when Philip was in Samaria having a revival and the Holy Spirit came to him and said, Philip, I want you to go this way. And Philip goes that way. What's what's up with that, Philip? Why are you leaving the revival? I mean, good services, probably good offerings. I mean, the Spirit's moving, you're enjoying. What are you doing? Well, the Spirit called me over here, so I'm gonna go over here and see what this is about. Well, there's just one Ethiopian eunuch. Why are you leaving the masses to go get one Ethiopian eunuch? Because the Spirit led me to go there. And so I'm going to go there and I'm just going to be salt and I'm going to be light. It could be like Ananias. Remember the Spirit spoke to Ananias and said, hey, there's a guy named Saul and he's over there on Straight Street. And Ananias is, Lord, I've heard about this Saul. Have have you? (laughs) He's persecuting Christians. Uh, It wouldn't be wise for me to go there. No, he goes. Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me to you. And there becomes the greatest evangelist the world has ever seen. Because one guy listened to the Holy Spirit and did what he said. Now, it may be that God has called you to live in here on South Dakota. If you live in here on South Dakota, God has called you to live here. And if he hasn't, find out where he's called you and move. Or in one of the outlying areas. I mean, God has called you to go to church. God has called you to work where you work. I mean, God is calling you to do what you do. And if he isn't, find out what he wants you to do and do it with all your might. That's the message of the gospel. And as we go about our daily routine, just like Peter and John, Peter and John were just on the way to the temple to pray. They just happened to run into a lame beggar and he just happened to look at him and fix his gaze on him and seeing that he had the faith to be healed said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have I'm gonna give you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. That's just being salt and light. We have been called to live right here and to be salt and to be light. Salt does a few things. Back in the the Bible day, this is what they used salt for. They used it as a preservative. They would rub it in the meat so meat wouldn't spoil. It would would act literally as a a preservative. It would be purifying. It would be for medicinal purposes. I know that we say rubbing salt in a wound is a bad thing, but salt can actually, in the right, uh, right proportion, not just pouring salt and rubbing it in a wound, they used salt for medicinal purposes to help purify wounds. Now, it wasn't just pure salt like we see it, and it wasn't just poured into the wound and rubbed in there. Uh, That is bad. Pouring salt into a wound, I wouldn't try it. 
Seasoning. They used it to season their food, just like we do. They used it for fertilizer. They would throw it out in the field, just like they would manure, and it would fertilize the crops. And so Jesus doesn't exactly tell us what he's talking about. What part of salt is he calling us to be? So we can just assume that he's just saying in general, just the way salt preserves, just the way salt purifies, just the way salt seasons, just the way salt fertilizes, that's why you're here. You're here to be salt. But here's the thing, you gotta be salt. You're not just salt because you came to church today. You're not just salt because you pick up the Bible and read it. You're salt because you've surrendered your life to the king and the Holy Spirit, who is the the God of the universe, has taken up residence in you. You've become salt. It's all about the cross. It's all about the kingdom. It's all about our character. Jesus says that we are to be salt. And I think his focus here is on who we're becoming, who we are, our character, our integrity. Not you're going to be witnesses, you're going to go hand out tracts, but you're going to be a witness. The way you live out your life, the way you react to hardship, the way you handle adversity, the way you fight, the way you do things, everything you do, you are salt on this earth. You're preserving it, you're purifying it, you're seasoning it, you're fertilizing All of these things. And as we consistently live out our lives in this way, surrendered to the cross, living out the fullness of the kingdom. Jesus has just gone over the Beatitudes. He's just told us what character we should have in our lives. We should be poor in spirit. We should be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. We should be merciful. We should be pure in heart. We should be those who work for peace. We should be, when we're persecuted, we should be handling it better. You know, can I tell you something? We don't handle persecution well at all. I mean, any sign that they're infringing on our rights here in America, and we are just all up in arms about that. How in the world is that salt? I'm not saying that we shouldn't just, we should just roll over and let them take whatever they want to take, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't cause us to get so upset. You ought to just be salt. You know why the world doesn't listen to the church? Because we're not salt. I mean, we want to shine, we want to do good deeds, but we don't want to be salt. We want to get to the doing part. I mean, I don't want to be a witness, but I'll go witnessing. Because it's a lot easier to go witnessing than it is to be a witness. Because to be a witness, when I get persecuted at work, or when I get mistreated at work, I have to handle it right. I have to be just like Jesus. I have to love my enemies. I have to pray for those who persecute me. I have to bless those who curse me. So I would much rather go witnessing and hand out a track than I would rather be a witness. I mean, I will, I'll let me be light. I, I choose light. I'm not gonna choose salt. And the reason the light doesn't shine so well is because we're not salt. Are you catching this? Jesus several times uses this salt analogy. He tells us in Mark chapter nine, everyone will be tested with fire. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. 
Jesus is talking about hell, and he leaves that, and he comes to this. And so, you know, scholars disagree on what Jesus is talking about here. Is he talking about, you know, that we're going to be tested with fire? We're going to be, you know, we're going to suffer persecution, and that's going to put the qualities of salt in us? You know, that's very, that that fits the scripture. I mean, the way to to develop Christ-like character is learning how to handle suffering. And when you suffer and you handle it well, like Peter tells us to do, you're refined like gold. You get the qualities of salt within you, and that's going to make a difference. Salt doesn't just act quickly. Salt just kind of sits on that ice, and it just, you know, slowly makes a difference. That's what Jesus says. I want you to be salt. It could be a reference to being baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire. When the Holy Spirit in fire comes into our lives, we have the quality of salt, or at least we should. The fruit of the Spirit ought to be evidenced in our lives if we're claiming to be empowered by the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit doesn't just mean a loud mouth. It means the fruit of the Spirit. It means the qualities of the Spirit. You know, it's interesting. I saw a picture this week of a rapper. I won't tell you which one. But across his chest, he's got a Bible verse tattooed. I mean, his lifestyle is all about drugs and his songs. Drugs and sex and all. But I mean... Yeah, I got a Bible verse tattooed on my chest. You're not salt. Tattoo your whole body with Bible verses. That don't make you salt. What makes you salt is surrendering your life to the king and living like he's Lord. Not just hearing my words, but doing my words. That's what makes us salt. I mean, we want to hear his words, but we don't want to do them. I mean, we want to do them right up until someone pushes our buttons. Jesus says, have salt qualities in yourselves and live in peace with each other. What good is it as churches for us to do outreaches, but we can't even get along? I mean, yeah, let's have a crusade. Thousands of people get saved, but those people begin to see quickly, we can't even get along with each other. How's that gonna make a difference in anybody's life? See, we gotta get the, the salt. It's gotta be a part of our lives. This, this cross, this kingdom, I've gotta work this thing out in my life. It's gotta be real. It's gotta be genuine. It's not just about activity. It's not just about going out and doing something now. It's about becoming something. That's what it means to be the salt of the earth. It's not about doing, it's about becoming. And that has to come first. We get it all backwards. We want to go do because doing is easier than becoming. But Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. And if you become this, you're going to make a difference in the world around you. It just is going to happen. Luke chapter 14, Jesus said this, a large crowd is following him. Someone should have told Jesus that uh, having a large crowd following you is what your goal is. Because he didn't know. He turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. You will not be salt if you don't do this. You can't just hang around me and expect to be the salt of the earth. You can't just show up on a Sunday morning and expect to be the salt of the earth. You've got to be all in. You're going to be my disciple. You've got to pick up your cross. Everyone else in your life, it looks like you hate them compared to how much you love me and come after me. Think about that for a second. I mean, you can, I can take a lot of abuse, but the minute you speak evil of my wife or my kids, I mean, it sets something off inside of you, doesn't it? I mean, we can seemingly take more than we can handle when someone does it to our kids or to our spouse. That kind of sets us off. 
But Jesus says even, why? Because we love them. I mean, that, that should be. I mean, if someone is beating your child, there ought to be a, a, an alarm that goes off on the inside of you as a parent. That's just, that's a given. But Jesus says, you know what? That love in comparison to how much you come after me ought to look like hatred in comparison. That's powerful. If you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. I mean, it sounds good. I want to be the salt of the earth. There's people that need Jesus. I mean, I could play a video, make you cry, feel like, yeah, I need to do this. But count the cost. It's not about whether you can shed a tear. It's about whether or not you're willing to lay your life down now. Because I'm talking about some inconvenience. Because the people don't stop over when it's convenient. They don't call when it's convenient. You don't walk by someone in need when it's convenient. Ask the Levite and the priest who walked by the guy on the road to Jericho. It wasn't convenient for them to stop. But if we're going to be the salt of the earth, it's going to mean a little bit of inconvenience. Who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish? Otherwise, you might complete the foundation before running out of money, and everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. (laughs) Do we say that today? I mean, if there's a building that people rent out of money, probably. They'd probably make jokes about it on late night TV. You know, it would be funny for a while. But Jesus says, you know what? If you haven't counted the cost, I mean, it's great that you heard I died on a cross and I rose and the tomb is empty and that moved you enough to say, Jesus, man, that's awesome. I love you. Thank you for doing that for me. But Jesus says, you know what? Count the cost. I'm not just asking you to to be glad I did that for you. I'm asking you to, to give me everything. You're no longer in control. I'm calling the shots. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. I still love you and I still died for you. But if you want to be salt, if you want to be my disciple, that's how you do it. It's not a membership card. It's not perfect attendance for a year in church. It's everything. And that message doesn't fly real well in the American church or in this quiet room right now. Then verse 31 Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against it? If he can't, he's going to send a delegation to discuss the terms of peace while the enemy's still far away. You cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how will you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor the manure pile it's thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So Jesus, I don't mind serving you from time to time, but you know, this idea of being salt requires an all-in kind of commitment, and I'm not sure I'm ready for that. And maybe, just maybe, that's why the church isn't being the salt of the earth. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So it's not that our enemy's more powerful. Maybe, just maybe, I've kind of bit into a lie. And all I got to do is go to church. All I got to do is, you know, give something. No, Jesus says give everything. Give everything. And you'll be the salt of the earth. You won't even have to try. As you learn to live this type of all-in type of lifestyle, you're not even, it's just going to ooze out of us if we learn to live this type of lifestyle. Because Jesus says we can lose our saltiness. Now, people argue about this one too. How do you lose, how does salt become not salt? 
I mean, that would take some kind of explosion or chemical reaction. I mean, salt is just salt. It doesn't really take a chemical reaction. It just takes adding some impurity. And eventually, the salt is no longer salt. And that's what Jesus taught. You know what? Some people are going to hear this word. They're going to be excited about it. Yeah, I want to be salt for Jesus. And then the cares and anxieties of life are going to come in and take over. And you're going to lose your saltiness. It's going to choke out that word and you're not going to be fruitful. Or trials and persecution, hardships are going to come. In other words, you're going to say, Jesus, I give you everything. And on Monday morning, you're going to get fired. And you're like, Jesus, if this is what it's like serving you, I'm done. That's literally what Jesus is saying. There are going to be people that on Sunday will come to the altar and they're going to cry and they're going to, it's Easter Sunday and they're going to give their lives to the Lord and then on Monday morning they're going to get fired and they're going to say, I don't want that. Look what that got me. Well, if you're only in it for what it gets you, you weren't really in it. That's what Jesus says. I want you to count this cost. You're going to be my disciple. It could cost you everything. And here's the promise, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. And when you lost your job, I knew you were going to lose your job. And I'm right there with you, and I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to show you where to go, and I'm going to open a door. Just trust me. So Jesus says we should be salt, but he also says we should be light. So let's go back to Matthew 5. He says that. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be the light of the world. This isn't so much about being this is more about now doing because he says we're going to shine out we are the light of the world him in us Jesus is no longer the light of the world we are and as he shines in us other people see it this is about doing we like to come to church and twinkle real nice we're the light of we're look we're lights we're twinkling twinkling in church twinkling in church but Jesus says you know what I didn't light you to put you under a bucket I didn't light you to put you under a church roof. I made you a light. And I I put you in a job. I put you in a neighborhood. I put you in a school. I put you where I put you so that you will shine. And look what he says in verse 16. This is from the New Living Translation. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. This isn't a secret now. You let it shine out. But that could cost me my job. Good. Well, who's going to pay my bills? I don't know. Everyone's all up in arms. You know, well, Pastor, what are, they, what are you going to do if, if someday you're not allowed to preach that homosexuality is a sin? I'll just preach it that sin is sin. <laughs> and let the Holy Spirit convict them that homosexuality is a sin. I don't have to preach it. We get so worked up about what's going on out in the world and it's all about because it's messing up our convenience and how we want to do things. They're messing up how we were going to do church. Let them mess up how we want to do church. Maybe God's got a better design for church. In fact, he does. We've screwed up his design. Church isn't about a building or a service anyway. It's about a group of people being an army mobilized to go out into the world and make a difference. We've made it about a room. We've made it about a building. We've made it about a name. And it's not about that at all. So let your light shine. My life, my daily potential of living this message out right here in here on South Dakota, right where I work, right in my neighborhood, right in the people that I encounter in my daily life. That's what it's about. And here's what I found. Those things never come at the right time. Those people never walk into your yard when you want them to walk into your yard. They walk in in inconvenient times. 
And the question is, am I going to let my light shine? Am I going to be salt? Or am I going to live for myself? And say, well, maybe by the way I rake, they're going to see Jesus in me. Or maybe I lay the rake down and I engage them in a conversation and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do right now? I mean, after all, a lost person just walked into my yard. Or at least potentially lost until I find out different. We have got to become missional in the way that we live out our lives. When a missionary goes to a foreign country, they're there for one reason, and that's to win people for Christ. You and I are no different. Whether we work secular jobs or whether we work in ministry, it doesn't matter. You and I are put here to be salt and to be light. And whether that means I'm an outgoing person, okay, so you're not gonna stand up on the red box and preach. Great, you're not outgoing. But you can at least have a conversation with one person that you encounter when the Holy Spirit nudges you and say, say this. You can be salt and light in some way. That's what Jesus said. He's gonna use every personality different. Let him use your personality. Let him use how he's created you and gifted you. But let him use you. We've got to be engaged in this process. I'm not going to be light unless I'm looking to be light. I mean, I can get so wrapped up in my day and so wrapped up in my routine and so wrapped up in me and what I want to do and what I want to accomplish and even what I feel like God has asked me to accomplish that I can miss the fact that there's an opportunity right here that the Holy Spirit's like going beep, beep, beep and I miss it because I'm not looking for it. I mean, I didn't go into Walmart to do that. I went in to get my list. I never go into Walmart without a list. I never go into Coborns without a list and some coupons. I know where I'm going. I know what I want. That's how I live. We have got to stop living on cruise control and start paying attention to how fast we're going. If we're going to be salt and light, if we're going to be missional, it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to cause us to break away from our routine. It may even cause us to change how we do church. Why do we meet on Sunday morning? Why do we sing songs and do things the way we do? Is it getting the lost saved? Because if it isn't, let's find out what he wants to do to get the lost saved. Say, well, Pastor Tom, it's about ministry to the saints. Honey, you've heard the message for uh, maybe a thousand times. How many services have you sat through? How many times do you need to hear the word preached when there are people in this city who have never heard it once? I like things the way I like things too. I like our pretty lights. Aren't our pretty lights nice? I like it too. But you know what? We've got to be willing to say, God, everything's on this altar today. Whatever you want to do, mess up my routine, mess up my schedule, mess up my life, mess up my job, mess up my perfect family, mess it all up. Call me to some crazy part of the world or call me across the street, but wherever you call me, I'm going. Amen. You got to say amen to that because he's looking for workers in the field. In Matthew 28, in Mark 16, and in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, as you go, make disciples. As you go, preach the good news. Heal the sick, raise the dead. You're going to get power to be a witness. Not power to convert your cessationist friends to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but power to be a witness. That's what it's all about. And that's what it should be about. 
Colossians chapter 4, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that everyone, so you will know how to answer everyone. I'm stuck. First Peter chapter 3, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. You got to go to work prepared to give an answer. You got to go to school prepared to give an answer. You got to go to the store prepared to give an answer. You got to be prepared. Here's the fun thing. The Holy Spirit's going to give you what to speak when the time comes. You just got to be prepared. How do we get prepared? We develop salt-like qualities. In other words, it's not just what I preach, it's what I live. It's not just what I read in my devotion hour, it's how I apply it to my life that matters. I'm going to be salt. I'm preparing. I'm getting the word in me. I'm letting it change me. I'm changing my attitude. That's what he says in Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Dear friends, as you've always followed my instruction when I was with you, now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. I can't believe the way this storm, I hate living in this stupid town. God bless you. Would you like a track? How's that going to work? I mean, when we think of it like that, we're like, dude, that's funny. But that's how we live our lives. Our neighbors see us complaining and criticizing and fighting with each other and hating everything in this city. And I can't believe we don't have any good restaurants and even the ones we have. Service is so poor. Would you like to go to church with me Sunday? No, I don't think so. I mean, they see us in the yard yelling at our kids. Hey, how are you guys today? See, we got to be creating salt in our lives so that we can be light. So we're going to stop living on cruise control. I have a pastor friend that puts it this way. We love cruise control. Do you like cruise control? I mean, you'll be able to drive down the highway at a certain speed. You don't have to worry about whether you're going too fast or too slow unless you set the cruise too fast. You, you know, you just cruise along and you, you can text. Just kidding. <laughs> you can do, I mean, you, you don't have to pay as much attention, so we think, at least to the speedometer. And that's kind of how we live our Christian life. I mean, we just, we're on cruise control, going for Jesus. And God says, you know what? Take the cruise off and start paying attention to your speedometer. Every week of our lives, here's what we should do. Every week, we should try to meet someone new. Someone we don't know. Just meet them. Hey, I don't, I don't know you. What's your name? How long have you lived in Huron? Man, that's awesome. Meet someone. How long do you think it would take you to meet every person that lived in our city? You say, well, maybe this was too much to do every week. Then do it once a month. Meet someone every month, but track it. Write it down. Every month of this year, I am going to meet someone I did not know before. And if you know, don't know people in your neighborhood, start there. Bake some cookies. And if you can't bake, have someone else bake you cookies, and you take it to them. And you say, hey, I don't know you. I'm a terrible person. You've lived here all this time, and I don't even know your name. I am so sorry. I just wanted to meet you. That's good. That's all. Real hard, I know. Number two, pray with someone. Oh, pray with them. That's it. Somebody's sick, could I pray with you? 
Everyone say this with me. Could I pray with you? Ready? Could I pray with you? One more time. Could I pray with you? See, we can all do it. When someone is sharing with you something that's going on in their lives, by all means, take a moment and say, could I pray with you? And take 15 seconds and actually pray with them that God would intervene in that situation and show himself. That he would meet that need. We can all do that. And then we help someone. Help someone. Someone that needs our help, step in and help them. If what if we started doing this every week? What if we started doing this every month? What difference would that make? You know what it would do? It would get us engaged in the game. And then when the Holy Spirit brings people across our path, we're looking for them now. And when you start looking for them, you're going to see them and you're going to see that they've always been there. Sort of like when you're looking for a new car and you're like, dude, I started look, driving this car, I really like it. Everyone has one. I never knew. Well, that's because you weren't tuned into that car. You start tuning into this and the Holy Spirit's going to show up and give you opportunities. And one of these days, you're going to meet with someone and the Holy Spirit's going to open a door and that person's going to come to know the Lord. And all you wanted to do was meet them. I didn't plan for this to happen. Good. Every once in a while, you'll plan for it to happen, and it won't. So this gets our heads up to notice that the fields are white for harvest. That's all it is. It's a tool. The world needs us. Huron needs us to be the word becoming flesh. We need to be the salt, and we need to be the light. We need to have the characteristics of Christ in our lives, and we need to make sure that ministry isn't something we're doing. It's something we are. Let's stand together. This morning as we just get ready, I'm going to just in a moment have a word of prayer. And I want to close the service and I'm going to dismiss you. But I'm going to open the altars for you. If you're here and you want to spend some time in prayer, maybe the Lord has spoken something to your heart and you just want to deal with it, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're here and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've never received that empowerment to be a witness for him, and you want to pray for that, our prayer team would love to pray with you or talk with you some more about that. But my prayer as we go over these next couple weeks of mission services is that our hearts and our eyes just get open like never before. Man, there may be some of you in this room that God calls you to, to actually move from Huron. I, you, please, be gentle. <laughs> he might call you to move from Huron and actually go somewhere else and do ministry in some way. It may be a secular job or it may be a ministry job, but the Lord may lead you to do that. Some of you, you need to just stay put right where you are and you just need to be more all in. I'm going to tell you, I wish, I wish I could stand up here and say, man, I do this so well. But just a few weeks ago, we were in our yard. It was nice outside, and we're sitting there, and I got this really new app. It's really cool, and uh, it's about a track meet. It, you put all of the, man, it's just, it's great. You put everybody's times and stuff in, and you do the whole track meet right here. This is like I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out how to make it work. And because I'm almost 40, I don't know how to make it work. And um, so I'm just, I'm trying my hardest. And our neighbors are out on a walk and they, they stop in our yard. And my wife has a conversation with the wife. And oh yeah, I've got those books for you. And she goes inside and she gets the books and she brings them out. And the husband's just standing there. 
and I got my app. <laughs> and after they left, my wife said, you know, you just sat there. And I'm just holding my app. I'm just, who, who do you think you are? Miss Goody Two-Shoes, I could point out all your flaws too. <laughs> but that's the point. I wish I could see it up here and say, man, as a pastor, I always pay attention. I mean, as a pastor, it's Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Lord, I worked so hard ministering to the church this morning. I just need a few hours in the afternoon. But those people seem to come at the most inconvenient time. And when they're in your yard, let's just pretend that the Holy Spirit brought them. And let's put whatever we need to put down and maybe not get it done and engage them. When you're in the store with your list and you're, man, you're checking them off, you're going to be out of there in record time. Maybe we should stop using the self-checkout. What a stupid thing. Self-checkout. You, do, you, do you realize this? You are doing the, the job and they're not even paying you. I mean, I could see if there was a discount. But we think it's so cool there's self-checkout. I love, I wish I could come up with ideas like that. And we love it. But maybe we need to start engaging real people again. Are you catching me? Meet with someone, pray with someone, help someone. Father, as we go through these next few weeks, as we focus on why we're here. God, we're going to look at what we're doing and how we're partnering with missionaries around the world. We're going to see things that you have done in this last year because of this group's faithfulness. And God, we're going to be amazed at some of those things. But we know that no matter how much we did last year, God, there's still so much more. And it's great that we're ministering to people overseas and we have these partnerships with people in places that we're never going to be. But God, so many times we miss the ones right in front of us. Help us to take the cruise control off of our lives. Holy Spirit, help us to lift up our eyes and see that the fields really are white for harvest. Help us to be engaged with you in our daily lives so that we can be the salt and the light in here on South Dakota. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and that you would mess up our theology, that you would mess up our routines, that you'd mess up our schedules, that you truly ruin us. Bring us to the place where it's all about reaching the lost, where it's all about lifting up the name of Jesus in everything that we do where ministry no longer becomes something we do, where witnessing no longer becomes something we do, but it becomes who we are. Father, make that difference in our lives, I pray, in these weeks ahead. We pray it in Jesus' name. Again, these altars are open for you. If you'd like to pray or be prayed for, we'd love the opportunity to do that. If you want to be dismissed, uh, just do it quietly. Let this be a place of prayer for those that want to pray. God bless you as you go.